This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Sports reporters assemble! Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back. It's Friday. You know what that means. It means the sports reporters have assembled Bob Silverman up there in the Northeast of the Daily Beast. Bob, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Andrew? Or rather, Chase. Did you just call me? Oh, wow. We're off to a great start. No. I I got Andrew on the brain. I got him in mind right now. Sorry, we'll let that ambulance run by. Yeah, exactly. It's not a good sign. Uh, Bob, are you fine. okay? I'm sure it's nothing. Yeah, I'm fine. It, it is not coming for me. <laughs> but it is rolling sure right you, past my door. Are you sure it's not the ambulance? Wow. Yeah, that could be it. Because mm. I'm complaining about things. Damn, got me burned. Oh, uh, I thought, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, uh, it's on the way down to D.C., maybe. Could be. Could be. Uh, the uh, events of this morning suggest a great deal of diaper filling in the greater Baltimore-Washington metroplex. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that guy laughing up there in the Northwest. Andrew Hammond of the Tacoma News Tribune. Andrew, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm good. Um, so I'm sure you guys have a- at least one time been given a, uh, a political speech or 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 the talking to of we have to remain objective when when covering or when talking about politics on social media so your boy aka me made uh, i've been making a whole bunch of sports references that uh basically like this is a broadcast and so I didn't get in trouble for it, but I kind of got a wink and a nod from uh, from my boss when I was talking about how uh, <laughs> after, after after Pennsylvania was called, I said, and I had a tweet. I said, um, "Yeah, this is the portion where uh, this is the uh, you know after this game is is an all new sixty minutes, uh, except on the West Coast, and uh, after that, it's a new episode of uh, Murder." She wrote. Uh, so, you know, nice little nod to Pat Summerall and I got a text saying that was funny, but don't, don't tow, don't tow the line. Don't insinuate that you're planning to commit a crime, even inadvertently. That, that, that seems like that was the tone of it. If you made a Bones reference, maybe NBA Twitter would have liked it more, (laughs) you know? See, see, I, I, I thought about doing that, but I was like, no, everybody else is going to do that. No, let me... (laughs) Let, let let me I, I have a niche Twitter audience anyway, so let me like feed my base. There you Fair. go. Fair. I, I, can. I got that. I don't think I have a niche base. I don't really know what my Twitter following expects from me. I'm a very boring Twitter follower. 
Like I, I it's mostly just self promotion over here. Bob is the one making the jokes and Aham's making the jokes. I'm a I'm very much not a frequent Twitter tweeter. I like to get off some takes. Yeah. Fun. I just I hate putting takes out. Like I am one of those people who definitely if I do tweet something, I nine times out of ten will delete it the next day. Because I'm just like, eh, whatever. Well no, they all should be deleted the next day. I, I highly recommend to anyone who doesn't already. There are many apps you can purchase which will automatically delete old tweets after X number of days. Because there's no reason to keep any of them. Even the real zingers, none of it is necessary at all. You can just set them to nuke and they're gone. Well, I would say that uh, David J. Ross, uh, Crab Rangoon tweet should should never be deleted. I think he has to keep that but forever. That's fair, but like there, are, you can find a screenshot of that. That's true. That's been preserved. Okay, that's been preserved. I I, I was especially pleased on the morning of election day. There was a quote from the soon to be ex president. Knock on wood, fingers crossed. Sacrifice a virgin goat to my <laughs> evil, to the dark lord Satan. Um, there was. Uh, <laughs> they got him saying something about how he's a believer in success and winning and he le- and he doesn't like losing or something like that. And it was a pretty close approximation of something that got Trump to retweet him way back in 2014 and then block him. Roth made up, I'll get the quote, because it's really funny. What he did was he made up a quote from a Trump book called Winning, which mm. doesn't exist. And the quote he made up with was, I was never one who looked at success as bad. For me, success was always good. I loved it, and I still do. Donald Trump winning, page 27. He made this up. Yeah. Trump at the time quote tweeted it. Back, for all you kids out there, you want to rem- think back to the days of the manual retweet. He just put it in quotes and stuck his name on the end of it and sent it out. As if it were a real thing that he said. I respect the lack of hubris and remembrance uh, when it comes to things like, oh, hey, Bob, you didn't say this thing back in 2014, but I'm going to say you said it. And you're just like, hell yeah, brother, I said it. Yeah, it it was really bizarre. And then I think Trump blocked him after Ross wrote it up at the at SB Nation. <laughs> Trump shared a fabricated thing. This was like the time. This was you have to remember that, that this era of Trump was mostly known for giving out unsolicited advice to Robert Pattinson regarding his relationship with Kristen Stewart. Mm. Was, that was a very important thing to him was saying, get away from Kristen Stewart, Robert Pattinson. <laughs> um, well, she wasn't, she wasn't a blonde, so... She wasn't good enough for him, was the well, general... Well, didn't she tweet? Part. I mean, uh, didn't she cheat? Isn't that, am I yes, remembering that she right? Cheated with a, she cheated with a producer on a movie uh, she did. And the only reason I know this is... <laughs> uh, no, no, I, like, like real talk. Because you're, the only reason because you're I part of the this, K-Hive, that's why you know. <laughs> I, I think I know. I don't know. Um, but so I was actually going into work one day, and this girl that I work with, I was working at Best Buy at the time, she's like heartbroken. She's like, she's not in <laughs> tears, but you could tell if you... It's, it's one of those things, if you said the wrong thing... 
she would have probably started crying. So everybody just kind of stayed away. And I, I, y'all, y'all know me enough to know. I'll just say what's on my mind. I'm like, what's going on? And then she told me what happened. And I was like, wait a minute. Are you serious? Like they broke up and she was like, yeah. And she was like, this is what happened. And she told me and I read the story and I was like, oh, snap. Kristen kind of dirty. Yeah. And then after that, I went back to work. It was an incredibly, it was a, a very widely discussed gossip item back in, back in that chunk of time. Um, and Trump did it all the time. He also, one other thing he did is that I particularly remember from that era of his social media activity is in the mid, like on the night that Hurricane Sandy made landfall in New York, um, he was putting a lot of posts out about how much weight Bette Midler had gained, which That's was a very, right. it was very, very important. That's, which is, you know, in, in defense, Maybe there were some people hunkering down to avoid the superstorm that didn't know about this. So he got that info to the people. Um, yeah, that's, that's the vibe of that era of, of Trump. But a question. Do y'all think, and, and, and I'm just asking this just in a, in a general sense and, and, and logic tells me, um, do y'all think he's going to end up getting kicked off Twitter like the first like two or three days after he is officially out of the White House? I think it could happen. I think it could. I've read those blogs. I think it could happen. I think there is a non-zero chance they could say, well, now that none of this is fucking newsworthy anymore, you're out. Like that's right. when you make like sense. You violated so many of our rules, and now that we literally cannot, uh, now, now that we like, we don't have to use your stuff as merit or policy. Bye bye. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's very that that it could happen. I would advocate for it. Uh, no one is asking me, but that would be that would be my call. Uh, I don't know. Twitter's growth has been immensely helped by his presence. It's it, that's the one thing. I mean, they don't ever say that, but <laughs> having the leader of the free world use your platform as his main means of communication is the kind of thing that'll boost growth. Um, so that would be the only thing stopping them. I mean, certainly by the definition of Twitter's rule, it's only this fig leaf of this is important information the public needs to have that has kept him on at all to begin with. Anyone else would have been told to get bent a long time ago. Um, so <laughs> my theory, I something that I just think will ultimately happen here is I think a lot of this stuff is just public, um, public bullshit from him and privately, he is gearing up and like he would he would welcome getting banned from Twitter because I do believe remember that report from a couple of years ago of him like wanting to start his own network. I don't think it's a coincidence yeah. that he's going at Fox and that it's already leaking that they're just so angry at Fox and his supporters are turning on Fox. I think he is going to go full Alex Jones like Alex Jones popped up at his protest rally this week. Yeah, I think he's going to have his own Phoenix. alternate right Oh I'm sure there's a there's a good chunk of cash to be made if he does start up, like if he if he gloms onto OAN or Sinclair yeah. or whatever. 
Like he'll make money. Like so there will like that. That's where I think he's going. Yeah, it's still going to be interested in what the what 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 our our large damp lad has to say. Um, but this is not sports. I don't know how we got here. Oh, deleting tweets. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can delete all your tweets. I'll delete all your tweets. I think this is None how we should. O- this is how we should open every show. It's just like what's going on in the world, and then we get into the actual sports stuff, just to catch in, uh, catch up on everything, and just to you know see where we're at, where our headspace is at. It's it's very strange that uh, my home state turned blue right after I left. Is it a coincidence? I don't know. Yes. Yes. It's, yes it is. It's I will say this. Uh, speak, speaking of. Uh, uh, kudos and, 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 and things that I saw this week. Um, I, I don't want to save it for the end, um, but Bob, your story uh, in Politico was tremendous. I just want to give you kudos to Aww. start off the show. Uh, Thanks, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, man. Like it's, <laughs> I got a lot of DMs from, from MMA fans who were, who really wanted me to tell them who the anonymous uh, fighter was who I spoke with and I didn't tell them. They got a little mad at me for that. <laughs> I got like like only a few QAnon weirdos sort of got up in my mentions and it wasn't really very bad at all. I don't know if it didn't hit there. I mean, granted, it was a night. This story came out Monday night, so they may have been busy with other things and that's honestly fine. But thanks, man. I'll, I'll hype it again at the, end of the, at the end of the show. I think it came out well. I'm pleased with it. I like it. Politico Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am a noted politico. That's what I do. I do mm-hmm. politics. Which naturally brings us into the Milwaukee Bucks. And Hey. Yeah, yeah. It's it's called a transition for the uh for the insiders here. Um came out this week uh that the Bucks are apparently very optimistic that they will be able to sign Giannis Antetokounmpo to a Supermax contract this offseason and that he will not wait it out for the full season um, with the way the CBA works. If they don't get it done before the season, they cannot uh, talk or do anything about it until after the season. Um, Did you throw a couple of air quotes around that? Yeah. Talk to him about any possible extension while the season. Yeah, that, that seems to me that requires just massive Given the, what we know about the NBA and tampering, yes, they cannot officially engage in any conversations. It doesn't mean like, oh, they can't run into his agent at the coffee bean or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, theoretically have that conversation. Right. I I just, I thought this was bizarre um, because this is obviously coming out by someone familiar. Like the source is someone that... Um, is in the Bucks camp, right? Like it's someone who mm-hmm. it works in that front office. I don't, I don't really understand why Giannis would do this, unless, like, at the very least, Giannis would have to see them trade for somebody like Oladipo or Chris Paul first, right? Like, why would he do this before the La- Mr. Lazary and what is it, Eden's Lazary and Eden's the co-owners there? Like, until yeah. they fulfill. Their promises just pay, of just, just like paying, just paying hedge fund bros. Please have this. I was going to say, but that I was going to say that's like most owners now. Um, it really is. I I don't know. I just 
I'm very surprised that they're very optimistic about this because I don't think it makes any sense for Giannis to do this before the season, especially with how last season ended, especially with the questions about the yeah. roster. I don't know why. This is it just caught me off guard. Here's the only reason to do it now, 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 or to even hint that they could do it now is I know that the union and the players are, are going to try to work out a deal to keep the cap relatively stable for the next couple of years, but I feel like we are still very much in, we have no idea what's going to happen territory. It, it still feels so, look, even without the whole question, uh, like call it the, the Dak Prescott principle. Like maybe Dak, like Dak is going to get screwed out of some money because he didn't sign the Cowboys low ball offer and now has to come back from an injury and prove it. Um, given who knows what NBA revenues are going to look like. I know they just released a statement last night saying they're going to try to have 25 to 50% capacity in arenas when they start in a freaking month and a half, which to me seems absolutely insane. Um, Hold on, Bob. Are you surprised the players ended up uh, not saying yes to uh, $500 million in lost revenue by starting on MLK Day? Are you you stunned that LeBron James was like, uh no, uh I guess we'll come back. Uh that's fine. Are you stunned? I still don't, I still I like last week I remain confused as to why the mechanics of starting a month later necessarily mean a massive revenue loss. To me that just seems I still don't I still haven't I've read a couple of blogs and I still haven't seen some numbers crunched with me, which makes that case about where the 500 million is coming from because it happens a month later. It it's have you guys? Have you seen anything? Can you throw a brother a link or something? I haven't either, and it seems like they have access to information that we just don't have. Like there's internal, right. There's internal do- internal documents that we just don't have access the to. Source, the source mavens are, are sort of all saying this without really pushing back much, if at all. But but uh, this is another look, great case of the players who have a lot to lose. Um, getting kind of screwed here the guys like lebron can afford to do this because he is just like i I would rather have january february whatever if that means less money for us it doesn't matter i've made my money like i'm i'm good the the guys who've already gotten paid can push back and then the guys who have not or the the mle guys they they stand to lose several million dollars that just they they, they can't lose so they're kind of in a bunch but they're like i don't really want to start playing in december but i don't really know what a alternative i have it you're not going to believe this right. another case of the middle class getting screwed um <laughs> is what it seems like Hi, america <laughs> a little bit um uh, but yes andrew yeah, as you disappeared for a second um where we're we at with he was, yeah, i don't know what you're talking about he was here the whole time oh that's right that's, that's right really that's weird right. <laughs> he was here he was here. He was just with us. Mm-hmm. Haters. He's Haters. always here, even when he's not. Andrew, exactly. our, uh, the spirit of the pod. Um, <laughs> what do you think about the Bucks being optimistic that Giannis will sign a Supermax contract with the team before next season? It's cute. It's adorable. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Shit ain't going to happen. No, I agree with him. Yeah, it's not it, and and the only reason I say that is I'm getting shades of LeBron in 2009-2010 where 
you come close to or or you you put yourself in a position to you know go to the finals or 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 take that next step and it doesn't get done now you're kind of sitting back it's like i said it's kind of same situation where you're going into you know uh, a a very important year contract year you've got a you've the team has to make a case more than the player does for Giannis to stay because everything that they've done, you know, you sign Chris Middleton to a big deal. You're bringing all these solid vets. The issue for Milwaukee is they've always needed to stay one step ahead of the curve. They haven't done that. Or if they have, somebody like Miami or Boston or Toronto jumps right in front of them. So for, for me, I don't see it happening. I, I, I think that if, if Giannis does sign a deal, it's going to be after the season, it's going to be during free agency. Uh, but this team literally, I'm not saying it's championship or bust, but in a way it feels like it. It feels like if he doesn't make at least make the finals or they do something significant, you know, free agency wise or, or, you know, roster wise, I I just don't see him signing a, a a major deal with Milwaukee again. I mean, the one caveat, and you never know how much any of this is true is, from everything that's come out, he does seem Giannis does seem to legitimately enjoy being in a smaller American city and very out true. of the spotlight. Very true. He, he does seem to be. I mean, Giannis is not someone who has ever cultivated anything like celebrity or even you know, like think how, how many Giannis Antetokounmpo commercials have you ever seen? I think, you know, he, he really doesn't... I hadn't even really thought that, about that, but that is a good point. Yeah. I mean, I, I forget where I read it. I don't think anyone's ever done a full... I mean, there have been a couple of Giannis profiles, but I don't think one with, like, a ton of access, even. He doesn't even cultivate that, like, okay, I'm going to sit down with Lee Jenkins and feel some feely feels for the sake of presenting this image of me onto this. Onto the he, did, he did a 60 Minutes interview talking about kind of... Um, this was maybe 2017, I want to say, where he basically kind of talked about his uh, his background and and, and 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 how he went from Greece to you know to the United uh, States. I wrote I, I did this I wrote something for the Guardian back in 2015 about um, that, and you know I got 15 minutes with Giannis at practice and 15 minutes before the game, and that was it to write this story. And it, it was weird. Like there was, you know, it was this, it was his first game since starting to look like, Oh shoot, he could be a really good player. He was still only averaging, you know, I think still wasn't averaging double digit points, but there was enough of those moments where he just took three steps and went the whole length of the court. And that people were like, Oh, actually there's something here. Um, and yeah, he you know, granted, five years ago, I got a total of a half an hour with him and his brother. I spoke to Thanasis also. But 
you know, he was a shy kid. And, you know, he was very young then. But it's just nothing about him from my incredibly limited experience of being around him suggested someone who craves more attention. And even if the move that even if Gianna says, you know what, I don't think there's a way to build a winner in Milwaukee because of the small market limitations, because the limitations of this ownership group, because of whatever reason, even if he doesn't go to, you know, New York, Miami, LA, um, it's going to be a huge spotlight on him at all times. And the only reason I would think he might stay in Milwaukee is because I don't think he wants that. True. Under my head. That's my guess. I don't think that's important to him at all. For, for, for sure. Um, I, I do remember as you were talking about that, I remember reading a story. It might've been an SI, uh, mm-hmm. you know, back when SI actually had a magazine. Um, What's a magazine? Oh, uh, yeah, it's this thing that, you know, <laughs> it was, it came from trees. People used to read them. I don't know, whatever. Um, yeah, like a fruit. So yeah. it's hung on a tree like fruit. Okay, fascinating. Yeah, some, okay. Some, some Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, Got it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but there, there was a story about Giannis in his rookie year and talking about basically how he was, uh, you know, he would, he was homesick really didn't, you know, uh, he, he spoke English, of course, but really was, it was very, it was a very broken English, um, really not used to the city, of course. And he didn't have a car at the time. And so he was on, he was, he was either on his way to practice or leaving practice. And what ended up happening is he was going to like, wire some money back to his family, uh, to his family back home. And uh, one of the reasons why Giannis loved Milwaukee was like, the people were just so nice. Like they recognized who he was and he was like, you know, just kind of walking the street and they like picked him up, you know, they got him to wherever he needed to wire the money. And yeah, he, and he talked about how, how special that city was and, and, and how people just took him in. So yeah, it would be difficult for him to leave, but I would understand. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think like it's he, more the team needs to double down on that investment. Yeah, Milwaukee's in a tough spot. I don't know who they can add. I mean, Oladipo, not to be rude to Victor Oladipo, but he looked kind of washed when he came back this year. Dude's already 28. I, 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 I think that's, I mean, I can understand that if Milwaukee tried to trade for him, but uh, is he legitimately better than? He's not better than Chris Middleton. Already. I mean, you're getting yeah. a third. Um, Indiana's going to be like over my dead body. I guess. No, I think Indiana's I mean, going to move Oladipo. It seems like him and Turner are on the. But like the other thing about the Indiana, it's the other backcourt guy, Malcolm Brogdon, who was really good for Indiana last year, who the Bucks chose not to pay and let walk. A lot of these problems may have been just alleviated by just keeping what they had in Brogdon. Like, I still don't understand the line of thinking. Of, like, I understand the injury concerns. That with is UVA bias. That's what it is. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, do y'all think if they were to be the team that traded for Chris Paul, like that makes them the favorite in the East next year. And that actually puts them in it. Like, Hell I don't think no. they, I don't, I don't think they have the assets to trade for Chris Paul. I think, I think people are going to, 
like if if Oklahoma City is doing an actual full on teardown rebuild now, um, they're going to be suitors for for Chris Paul. They're they're not going to be able to get him for you know, Eric Bledsoe's expiring. I think, and you know, can I make my prediction on what they do? Sure. My prediction is Giannis doesn't sign the Supermax before the season. It comes close. We're going to get the report that he came close. He really thought about it. He really wanted to. We're going to get that, that uh, the team and the agent got very close, just couldn't couldn't cross the finish line uh, before the season started. They're going to trade for DeRozan. They are going to look at DeRozan as the closer, the Jimmy Butler type closer, to help Middleton, help Giannis down the stretch. Mm-hmm. They are going to not make the NBA Finals again, and Giannis is going to leave after next year. I I think I, I could, they're not going to go. They're going to do a going. full. They're going to do a half measure before the season. They're still going to be really good in the regular season, and then they're going to ba- get bounced, and Giannis is going to leave. Is going to be my guess. Here's where I can see you. Know where I can see Giannis going if he does leave. Mm. Canada <laughs> Raptors. I could see it. I could see it. Um, if I had to guess where Giannis yeah, I goes, I think I he, don't think he's going. To, he shares an agent with Bam now, right? Huh? Doesn't he, he an share agent, an agent with Bam Adebayo? I've spoken to Giannis's agent for some reason. I can't. He's with Octagon. Um, Giannis is okay. I forget his name. Um, um, it's one of the big. It's uh, Alex Saratsis is one, and uh, Mark. Something. He's okay. a Mark. Clearly, another student of Lee. Sorry, Mark. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, uh, 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 if you had to pick a place, like obviously every team would make room for him somehow. Mm. But he's going to want to go to a team that's ready to win. He's going to want to go to a smaller market. I think he's going to want to go to a competent, well-run organization. Check the you know, Toronto checks all those boxes. Also an international city, yeah. but not an international city in the same way like New York, Chicago, Miami, L.A. would be. Far less media attention. Yeah, because if he goes to Miami, like it, it just seems like that. It, he's going to get the Miami attention. He's like That kind of stuff doesn't seem to interest I'm, him as much. Yeah, I don't think he would. I, that's why I'm thinking Toronto. Um, Dallas is, of course, making, you know... Mark Cuban shaped fart sounds about wanting to try to get in on, on well, Giannis. I think that's the best basketball was, move for him. That's, I think that's, that's what the best I was basketball say. move. If you do that, you have, you, you're probably moving Kristaps, though. Yeah, which is fine. You can probably go ahead and do that because... Yeah. <sighs> I know you love Kristaps, Bob, but if you bring in Giannis and you have to sacrifice Kristaps, I think that is a sacrifice uh, we're all willing to now. make. If 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 Doncic continues to do what he's doing and just kind of leveling up like crazy, I mean, Luca doesn't get in like kill. I hope we don't have one off season, and it won't be this season because there hasn't been enough time. But I really hope there's not one off season when Luca shows up just shredded. I that's I want I want I want him to be still kind of puffy. That to me is important. We need more squishy dudes who are really good at basketball. That's why like, I'm Jokic. kind of excited about this this short uh, off season. Is there's going to be some dudes that are just so out of shape, but then you're going <laughs> to have like 
you're, you're going to have half the wizards just absolutely cut to the gills. Did you see the highlight video of John Wall? I got a little excited. John Wall was I, good. I, I did in see a, that. In a chopped and remixed highlight video, which in no way is edited to just show the best under two minutes and 20 seconds of a player's game. That was exciting or the, to me. The, the, the empty court picks that everybody loves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how many, of all the things that I've watched online, what has to be in the top five is videos of Mitch Robinson shooting three-pointers or taking dudes off the dribble from the perimeter, which is clearly transferable to the court next season based on those videos that I've watched a number of times. Open gym, open gym picks or, and, and Instagram videos and social media stuff makes me so sick because I'm just like, guys, I, I can literally I watch really, this at home. I wanted to do – there are a couple of stories I've been trying to do about the about NBA online culture, one of which is I wanted to talk to the guys whose job it is to film those and what that process is and whether, like, the players or the agents or anyone else gets involved in the editorial direction of these short bits of cinematic excellence. I, want, I definitely wanted to be like, so, okay – how does your players look how swole I got in the off season? I'm now sweating in some obscure gym video get made. You know, you none have to talk to uh, Devin Booker about that. Yeah. None of the, none of the actual guys would talk about it. Like I did, like I would talk to the players who appear in them maybe afterwards, but I doubt it. I just want to talk to the, I wanted to know how the, how the sausage got made and it just I, wouldn't happen. I also, I really wanted to talk to like uh, uh, Dawkins who makes the highlight videos somehow within minutes after a game is over that are oh, incredibly yeah. well edited. I just wanted to be like, are you like email Arnim Zola? Have you embedded yourself in a computer and are just watching NBA videos 24-7? I had no interest in being profiled. I was really sad. But I was like, dude, I will make you look like... God, come on. He's probably just focused on not getting sued for doing all of that. So he's like, I'd rather I know, let no attention. That's the problem. He's violating a couple of copyright laws yeah. here and there. The NBA mostly doesn't care because he's doing free PR for them. But yeah, there's no benefit in me profiling him. For Can him. you imagine if he did that for NFL or Major League Baseball or at least attempted to? Right. Like. Yeah. He, 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 he's well, going to end up getting sued. They actually have a really good one on their YouTube account. They do like a 12-minute tr- immediate. They, they do. They do. But like if he did I, – I know a lot of YouTubers on who were doing NFL stuff before NFL realized, oh, yeah, we should probably put some stuff on YouTube. Like those guys were killing it and then they got sued and then, they, yeah. and then their stuff got taken off. And I'm just like, guys, come on. Let, Pitching Ninja does this. Pitching them like those videos that Pitching Ninja puts out are the best PR Major League Baseball has, and, and they won't use free. him for anything because well, yeah. Major League Baseball sucks. Right, I know you've got this weird like the 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 attention economy hasn't really translated to most sports leagues yet, and they can't figure out how to really monetize it or not in any way that's quantifiable, they can show, okay, we are letting some of our intellectual property get swiped, but in exchange, we're getting X, Y, and Z. So I get it. It's a tough, it's a tough thing to actually uh, uh, nail down in terms of what the value is, but it's good. To me, it's good. 
that is my answer for all you quants out there. Um, in any case, I really wanted to interview Dawkins, but he was no. He didn't want to. Dawkins, if you're listening to this pod, the offer still stands. I still <laughs> want to talk to you about this. I, I want to go to the. I, I would have loved to like take a tour of the Dawkins cave and see how many screens he's got going, like like Tim Burke's megaplex that he built in his basement. Mm. Which naturally case, leads us to the Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders, getting fined and losing a draft pick for more COVID violations. Um, Andrew, when you first saw the story, what did you think? The Raiders have not changed. <laughs> um, and, and, and I say that jokingly, but I'm also uh, being straight up about, like, when all of these things were, when all of these, you know, issues were going on with COVID and, and, and watching the season opening game between New Orleans and, and or Las Vegas. I think I called them Oakland. I don't care. Uh, they're, they're still the Oakland Raiders to me, damn it. Uh, I, I'm watching Sean Payton kind of struggle, you know, trying to with the whole mass thing. And then Gruden's like, oh, he's doing a good job. And then was like, oh, no, he's not. He, he's not doing a good job. no. If there was one team that would completely just say screw the whole COVID thing, I would have actually bet the house on the Raiders. And yeah, what's happening does not shock me because you've got a culture of, oh, well, we we can do this ourselves. We can police ourselves. And the NFL's like, no, guys, we know that you can police yourselves. You're not doing a good job of it. Therefore, you're making us look bad. So, yeah, I'm not shocked. It, it, if they reached 800K in fines, I, I, it, it, it wouldn't shock me. I'd actually be a little upset that they didn't go for a cool million. Bob, what do you think? The Raiders! <laughs> Sorry, that's, I just want to get my, my Berman Raiders invitation in. Um, uh, uh, you know... It's very weird to me that, I mean, it's not that weird, actually. It's just, it is very disheartening. I think I, it hit me earlier today when I was setting my my DraftKings. This is not a paid DraftKings uh, ad rate, by the way. My, 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 my this weekend's daily fantasy stats. And, like, I was scrolling past quarterbacks, and I saw it just said, you know, M. Stafford, C-19. I was like, oh, right, right, right. Stafford got put into the, the COVID protocols because he came into contact with someone in the system. And I was just like, okay, well, you know, I kind of was thinking about Stafford. And I just started immediately thinking about it in terms of daily fantasy brain, which is insane. Like, oh, well, too bad. The pandemic means I have to pick a slightly different mid-tier uh, quarterback for my stupid gambling game. And I was like, oh, okay, it really has been accepted. Like, oh, well, which colleges aren't playing? Oh, okay, those. All right, the uh, the entire San Francisco 49ers roster appears to be sick. Okay, well, that's, you know, tough tough break for Jimmy G. And it's it's really, just, it's very disheartening to me the degree to which we, I personally, at least, just process it like another another chunk of, bad news floating across the, the online transom. It's very, that to me is, is bad and we shouldn't do that. I have a question real quick when it, when it comes to this, because I saw, what was it? Uh, Cal in Washington. 
I see, I see the news and I'm just kind of like, again, and then like literally yesterday, well, uh, Thursday, uh, there was like three or four games that got canceled. And, you know, if it wasn't for that other thing going on in this country, that would have probably been one of the bigger stories of, you know, all these college games getting canceled within, you know, 36 to 24 hours, you know, NFL teams not following, like it's November and it just feels like whether it's the NFL or college, one of these two seasons is not going to be completed on time or if completed at all. It, I, it just feels I, like it's going to be bad. I, I think they've passed the point of no return. I think they've realized that as long as they do enough safety theater, they'll, they, they're, they're already in too deep and they'll press on. Um, and I, I think the only way a season could stop is if someone gets incredibly sick and maybe is on a respirator or something like that. That's they the are only. definitely they are definitely tempting fate. I know that. Yeah, they are absolutely doing that. Playing it all was tempting fate. They've been tempting fate for fate from Jump Street. There were like 116,000 cases in America yesterday alone. The once again, like Americans like, are hospitalized right like, now. Like. So what was it? The third, uh, the third highest. If I can get the correct verbiage right, it was the third time we've had the highest day in cases ever in like the last ten days. Yeah, I'm just over here like, guys, what in the actual fuck? Sorry to curse, but I'm mad when it comes to COVID stuff. Okay. Sorry. Okay, to be mad. <laughs> I mean, the thing that I, I hate the way it's also being translated into, oh, well, what's the death rate? How many people have died? And look, the 230,000, I think, people who have died, that is a monstrous horror, but, which I don't think anyone has really taken the time to really to process what that means and the amount of grief. And, and there has been no period of mourning about any of this. There's been no time or space for it. Um but the thing that terrifies me is the number of people who have long-term symptoms from this, which aren't even really being discussed on a regular basis. I mean, the Red Sox pitcher, I'm blanking on his name. Is it Eduardo Rodriguez, who is still yeah. still really struggling with some heart-related stuff? Athletes, and athletes are going to be in the minority of the. I mean, the people, the long-haul COVID people, the people with chronic COVID symptoms that have lasted seven, eight months now. Some studies have said like it's 20%, 25%. Others have said 10. Do the math. There have been 8 million positive cases. That's uh, somewhere guys, of a guys I got Americans. breaking news. What is it? Arizona, what, what Utah has been, COVID, uh, has been canceled due to uh, COVID-19. <laughs> mm. Second Pac-12 game in 36 hours. Go Utes. Noted you guy. Noted uh, Kyle Whittingham Stan, Bob Silverman. I'm a a big Hanno Matola guy. That's (laughs) my brand. Hanno Matola Stan. Um, uh, Well, there you go. I mean, there'll be more, but they they cannot stop. To me, the the madness is the NBA trying trying to shoehorn crowds in. That, to me, seems desperately bad. One sporting it, like... Okay, I, I want to I want to edit what I said a couple of minutes ago. In lieu of a player testing positive, one game being a super spreader event in a city, that would stop it again. And they're just saying, well, 
Maybe not. Oh, they are absolutely playing uh, play, playing Russian roulette with that too, because you you see all of these. Oh, this player tested positive after X game, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, wait, wait what was, was it? A, there was a 49er last night who appeared yeah. to have played. I forget. I, I don't know which dude. I can't keep track of who's left on the 49ers. Someone named Ricky Richie James, who I'm very con- sure is a create a player in Madden had something like 180 receiving yards, but yeah, someone just played, had some symptoms. They played him anyway. Well, what was, there was somebody last week who, who tested pot or whose positive test came after the game. It was like literally minutes after the game. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, the way you guys are doing the testing is it is it when they contract it? Like how are they passing it? Like it's gonna eventually. Like somebody was trying to explain it to me, and I'm just like, that makes no sense. It's Especially not. if you are. This from the beginning that there wasn't, unless players were having access to incredible super secret tests that could be done every single day. As the NFL basically told us, turnaround. Things are going to slip through the cracks. Like people who don't show symptoms are still contagious. We we know this at this point. Yeah, I it, don't know. We, God, there was a, a woman. I was talking to some uh, PR rep in like March, and they were trying to pitch me to write a story, which I ended up not doing. But you know, it was it was that period in March when every single phone call that you had, even with complete strangers, began with a really heartfelt uh, 10 to 15 minutes, so how are you, how is your family kind of thing. Because at least in New York, we were all doing that because none of us had left the house for what seemed like an eternity, even though it had only been a couple of weeks. And so at least, again, I don't know if anywhere, everyone in New York was doing this, but at least in the Silverman household, Anytime I got on the phone to, 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 because I was working on a story to talk with someone before asking the questions that I wanted to ask, I would have genuine emotional <laughs> exchanges with complete and total strangers just because it seemed like the right thing to do. So I remember telling this PR person, I'm like, look, if we do everything right and get incredibly lucky, it'll be 200,000 dead. That was my, so I laid down my marker, as it were. Um, I feel confident about that. <laughs> you know, we didn't do everything right, but I think we still have gotten incredibly lucky. Uh, yeah. We is a typical term in terms of doing things right. I think American citizens, for the most part, made incredible sacrifices and have been trying to be considerate and caring for their fellow human being, with some noticeable exceptions. The federal and state governments, not always so much. And, you know, Professional, like multi-billion dollar sports industries. Also, like I give the NBA credit for getting through the whole bubble and not having a single positive test. Great job. I don't know why they're pulling back on the throttle now, aside from the fact that it's very expensive. Yeah, I was going to say there's this like all I like <laughs> Adams. I in my heart of hearts, I truly believe Adam Silver wants to be as judicious and as well thought 
in this process, but there's two things that are getting the uh, are basically forcing his hand: dollar signs and networks. Because yeah, I, I feel like once he said, "Oh yeah, we'll try start, we'll try to start something in December." Turner and Disney are both like, really? You, are, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? And it's kind of like, uh, it's like Stewie on Family Guy. It's like, hey, hey, mom, mom, mommy. It's like, that's what the NBA, that's what the networks and <laughs> the financials are doing to Adam Silver right now. And I'm just like, but, oh, by the way, can we just say sports that aren't in bubbles aren't working Example 5,742. I mean, the bubble thing, look, the NBA managed to pull it off for however long that was, three months, July, August, September. October, yep. October, four months, including the final. Um, they did. I don't know if you can, even with a break, I don't know if you can, I don't think you can ask people to, I don't think you can ask like those players to give up eight months of their lives. I really don't. Yeah, and, and and I think the NBA in a way was and, – and, and I don't fault them for doing this. I think they were waiting to see what national guidance and what national numbers were doing. So it's kind of like, hey, we're, we finished the season. You know, let's kind of see how things go. But you run into a time crunch, and now it's just kind of like, well, we kind of got to sort of do this, right? And then – they're all just kind of like strapping themselves in and uh, there are no airbags. There is no brake. Uh, so, yeah, we're just going to start the car and let's see what happens, kids. Alex Cora. <laughs> speaking, speaking of uh, starting the car with, uh, with no airbags. Alex Cora awesome. is back with the. <laughs> Shouts to the Boston Red Sox for the ultimate Friday news dump, slipping in the news that Cora was back while everyone else was <laughs> preoccupied with the other big news, namely that the Mets were sold to Steve Cohen officially. Um, and so, <laughs> honestly, you know what? Yeah, he did some cheating. It's fine. I, I really. I really, really, really don't get the moral outrage at the at these masters. I really don't. Oh my god! Is either. this where you position uh, your point that uh, Carlos Beltran deserves to be back in uh, New York? Is it time yeah. to get the gang back together? Yeah. Look, the Rojas did a decent job as manager, but you know, give Carlos a break. Carlos is a good dude. He cheated. They just did it in such a. The reason the Astros cheating scandal is so fun is because. The, the entire their entire McKinseyfied front office spent so many years bragging about how they had reinvented baseball and were smarter than everyone else. And it, when it came down to it, one of their brilliant syncovations was a dude watching TV and banging on a on a trash bin. That's why, because it's funny. It's funny because it reveals their how how revealed to the degree that they were all clown frauds. That, so it's me, basically it's, me, it's like and and. And uh, what was it in college? And we're like having a conversation, and I'll just sit there and if if we gotta wake somebody up, just bang a trash can uh, right over their head. Yeah, that's cool. That works. Yeah, that works. That's what the answer is. Like, you know, look, 
every sport, every every team in every sport will find ways to, if not break, then definitely bend the official rules in one way or another. They are all looking for a competitive edge. Sometimes it gets egregious enough to be to get busted, but like it's fine. He missed a year. Right? So if you want to bring him back? Great. It's not like he's going to go back. It's not like he's doomed to a life of recidivism. And Alex Cora is going to just be, you know, sitting out there on his porch, staring at his trash bin longingly, biting his fingernails, wanting to, like, give a couple of whacks at it or something like that. Come on. Thank you for that image, Fine. Bob. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. As you. As you were describing it, I, it started to pop up into my head because I knew where you were going. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is this is beautiful. <laughs> also, I don't uh, fault the Red Sox right. at all. I don't yeah. fault the Red Sox at all. And if if anybody wants to be upset about today's news regarding the Red Sox and Alex Cora, I just want to say, hey, um, get your vision checked because they telegraphed this shit a yeah. long time ago. Also, if you're going to be mad at anybody, be mad at Rob Manfred. Like, literally, he is the, the reason why nobody took it seriously. Look, just to add to my the, the Houston Astros did nothing wrong meme. Um, <laughs> the one thing that they should be made fun of relentlessly though for is, is trying to position themselves as plucky upstarts this year when they were in the playoffs. Like nobody believed in us. We're coming back. Like no guys, you cheated. You got caught. Just eat your shit like a man. You're going to have to eat shit for a while. You don't get to get indignant and haughty about it now. Embrace the villain. Or it, it, what, what they should have done, and I said this the day that they that, that this news came out. Embrace the villain role. Like, I want you to be as cocky and as arrogant. Like, do what you have to do. But, yeah, the whole plucky upstart thing, I'm like, it's not fun, guys. Like well, I think you, what complicated it was that we all wanted Dusty Baker to succeed. Like everyone loves Dusty Baker, and he's managing true. this group of. They just he's managing this group of unlikable people, and um, he should be used to that. Though I guess possibly yeah. a fraud. Jose Altuve, though, possibly cheating fraud. Jose Altuve. <laughs> he he should he should be used to be. Uh, Dusty Baker should be used to managing unlikable. Likeable people. He had Jeff Kent and Barry Bonds in the same clubhouse. <laughs> Wait, was Aubrey Huff in that clubhouse too, or no? No, uh, that, no. no, that was 2002. Aubrey didn't show up until until the until the 2010s. Mm. Um, they, uh, what should we call it? I wrote a story about this because, like, right when all the cheating stuff was coming to light, our old friend or anyone who remembers the mid to like early 2000s, early 2010s internet, we'll remember this name, Incarcerated Bob. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Yes! Incarcerated Bob, briefly, because this is a long-ass story, Incarcerated Bob is a guy, uh, I think I managed to uncover what his real name is, who positioned himself as a gambling tout. Now the phrase online gambling tout should immediately tell you how how sterling his reputation may or may not be. But Uncarcerated Bob would run tons of sock puppet accounts so he could claim... He, he did the old tout trick of sending out half picks going one way to, to one chunk of subscribers and half to another. So he was always assured of a decent record in any game, um, except he was doing it on the internet instead of 
sending out mailed out pamphlets. Um, but he was, you know, a scummy gambling tout and incarcerated Bob. Uh, I am 99% sure set up a sock puppet Twitter account pretending to be Carlos Beltran's niece. And I think that was Carlos. Him. Yes. I reported on it. I reported it for the Daily Beast. I managed to get enough, um, enough in the way of, of, of circumstantial evidence that I am incredibly sure that that was Carl, that that was incarcerated Bob. Um, mainly that when the niece account would start beefing with people online, suddenly out of nowhere, a bunch of incarcerated Bob sock puppets would show up to defend the niece. Um, and incarcerated Bob's niece got, you know, like managed to get some attention by doing this very incarcerated Bob thing. It's a random sock puppet account. If it's wrong, you nuke it and, and nobody pays attention. If you manage to get something right, well, then you look like a real insider. Incarcerated Bob first, like, posted about Beltran getting hired by the Mets that fall. And then days before they, the Mets cut him loose, when the news broke, the account did it again and suddenly like, oh, well, I guess this isn't Carlos Beltran's niece. The main problem being is that Carlos Beltran does not have a niece. At least not one that is of a, that is in like in her early 20s and on Twitter. Like the Carlos Beltran family told ESPN, no, this is not a relative of ours making these claims. So in any case, while all the news about the cheating was coming out, incarcerated Bob was going hog wild about the Jose Altuve having some kind of electrical device taped under his jersey. I don't know if you guys remember this. I don't. During the celebration, there were all these shots of like, Altuve got a game-winning hit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yes, where he's running down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I know what you're saying. He was weirdly trying to stop the other players from tearing off his jersey. And so internet sleuths, as is their want, like poured over all these videos and were saying there is evidence, like the reason he did that is because he had a little device taped there that was more sophisticated than the old garbage can trick that let him know what kind of pitch was coming. Um, And it was buttressed by the fact that, uh, what's his name? Bob Nightingale, I think, and possibly not Passan, but somebody else. I forget which Schefter of baseball posted this. Uh, it might not have been Nightingale either. One of them was like, yeah, I, heard, I don't think it was Passan. It was somebody else. Uh, not Sherman, maybe, at the New York Post. Joel oh, Sherman, okay, yeah, maybe, yeah. Said in November, yeah, we've heard talk about electronic devices. So the Carlos Beltran's niece, after getting the Beltran hiring and firing right, and for those who can't see this, which is everyone, I'm making giant air quotes, um, (laughs) also said that Carlos Beltran had given them photographic evidence of the electronic device cheating, and they would post it soon. So I reported out all of this, including all the circumstantial evidence showing that the niece account belonged to incarcerated Bob, noted online troll and tout, and as well as incarcerated Bob's like whole hit. Like I reported on a story on incarcerated Bob. Uh, I'm going to say it's either seven or eight or, or six years ago. Seven years ago, 
because it was right after Kurt incarcerated Bob broke the Carmelo Anthony, Kevin Durant, Honey Nut Cheerios story. You guys remember this story? No. I absolutely do. And and I've never looked at Lana the same or Lala the same ever again. Lala came out and said it's not true. Lala came out and said that Kevin Durant never said that. I, I, I thought it was Kevin Garnett who said that. He did too, but so did Lala. They both have denied it. Like to the nth degree, never was never said. I choose to believe it's real, Bob. Print, print the legend, man. Go at it. Anyway, <laughs> this is the 2012-2013 season. Carmelo Anthony and Kevin Garnett were playing Knicks Celtics. Carmelo got into it with Kevin during the game. He went out to the Celtics team bus after the game, and people were wondering what the hell did Kevin Durant noted trash talker say to set mellow off like that and what got reported first by incarcerated bob and then by black sports online was that kevin durant said to mellow your wife tastes like honey nut cheerio oh yeah (laughs) which is an epic trash talk if true per andrew yes per the people involved no and Bob got very mad because he was the first one to say that he had heard from a security guard he knows who heard the conversation in the Knicks locker room at MSG, blah, 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 blah. So I wrote this story about incarcerated Bob, and I wrote about the rumors that existed at the time that he was just making all this stuff up. And I spoke to him. We spoke on the phone for, you know, half an hour. And I enjoyed, uh, you know, I said in in the story that I wrote, like, you know, I, I don't have any evidence to prove, like, I was very generous to him. Now I am far less inclined to do so, but I wrote, like, you know, it, it's it's so difficult to say whether, like, to, to what degree he's just, you know, a person who has managed to uh, turn a bunch of well-timed t- tweets and some possible sources into a career as a tout, and to what degree that's true, but I enjoyed talking to this person. I think I said something like, then again, most successful successful con men are pretty charming or something like that. Well, otherwise, they're not, otherwise they're not successful. Um, and like after right, right after the story posted sock puppet accounts that are 99% sure connected to incarcerated Bob started tweeting that I tried to blackmail him and ask for $5,000 not to run the story. What? Yeah. 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 Like, and, he, and the, the sock puppets are like, you know, we'll go to his site. We will expose, we will expose the vile Robert Silverman and his attempts to silence Bob and, and, and steal his money and blah, 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 blah. There were a bunch of them. And I was, it was very, very weird. So I, I didn't think about him again until like February of this year when the cheating scandal broke. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to write about prison Bob again. So, <laughs> Who, who, as far as I can tell, has never actually been in prison. <laughs> he has never actually been incarcerated, as far as I can tell. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. His, his sock puppets got very mad at me again when the story ran as well. They, 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 they really swarm. But, yes. <laughs> to make a, short, a long story short, too late, Prison Bob got right into the mix. At the center of all of that, by pretending to be Carlos Bell, probably pretending to be Carlos Beltran's niece on the internet. All right, the best Crazy. thing, 
that uh, you guys read this week? Andrew, you go first. Um, honestly, I will say that I just give a shout out to all of the journalists covering uh, state, local, national elections. Uh, I've definitely enjoyed reading uh, the content, and I, I've enjoyed getting a peek behind the curtain for and, – and, and I did this on purpose – whether he won or lost, uh, reading the behind the scenes of the Trump uh, White House on, on what's going on, and basically how you've got uh, half, not half, but I'd say maybe 35% of the White House uh, ready to just move on and ready to just jump off the ship, and then the other uh, 65%. Are, are just kind of like, no, you have to hold it together. And uh, the balance is shifting towards uh, staying away from Trump at this point. So it's been fun to watch that since about uh, Tuesday. So shout out to New York Times and Washington Post and the Daily Beast. Yeah, they got some, there's some good gossip from the, from the bunker the last <laughs> four days. Bob, what about you? Yeah, uh, Mine is not something that I read, but something that I heard by the fine comedian Nick Lutzko, who uh, is a fine follow on Twitter. And what he posts are satirical songs. And he posted a song that came. The one that really got me hooked was the one that he wrote called I Want to Be at the RNC, which is really my jam, which involves him, he said he heard thing about wanting to be at the RNC and see the RNC people. And then he, he mentions Dan Bongino, former Secret Service agent and possessor of the most rectangular shaped head of any human on the planet. Dude, that thing, as, as a friend of mine called somebody one time, that dude is a geometric fuck. That dude has a toaster head, man. That, that <laughs> thing is... The thing is the exact dimensions of a nice chrome toaster. And anyway, former Secret Service agent Nick Bongino turned far right uh, media personality, I guess you want to talk to him. Dude gets more shit. The dude is the most popular thing on freaking Facebook, his, way, his eponymous website. It's terrifying. In any case, Nick Lesko's song keeps going into the refrain I want to be with Dan Bongino. I want to I want to show him the American flag that sits behind the toilet in grandma's basement. Anyway, it's a great song. He dropped a remix this morning. That's a, a slow jam version of this. And I've been playing it since about 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's delightful. My favorite is uh, the report that Kevin Durant took Adele out to dinner this past week. Nice. Dog, I, when they break up, that song is gonna be epic. And then, and then Kevin subtweeting her. Yes. With, with, oh my god. There's so many elements to this. I want this to be a thing. I want Adele and Kevin Durant to become a thing very badly. This sure. This like, is yeah, weird. I mean, like the, the Ben Simmons Kardashian was turned out to be far less productive. Not to get into advanced stats, but <laughs> on a in terms of a in terms of 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 hype per minute it was it was not that interesting i i I'm, I'm disappointed in that in well, in ben Simmons. To, to to be Jenner. fair he did he did yeah. Jenner. No. yeah to be fair that was like her you know her like sixth nba player and like 
you know, seven seasons. So she's kind of like Dave Kingman. Um, you know, he's kind of played for everybody. Um, so, yeah. King Kong Kingman. You're welcome. Yeah. I just don't imagine um, this would be fun. I, I don't imagine, like, what do you, I, <laughs> everything I know about Kevin Durant, I just, I would be so fascinated to watch him on a date. Like, he is, like, of all the athletes, of all the NBA players that I think I know about, like, I want to know what he's like on a date. I want to know what he talks about. I want to know what his demeanor is. I want to know how he approaches it. Like, everything about Kevin Durant would not, would be on the table, and I would want to see what he's like. It would be extremely interesting to me. I feel like he's not even the most interesting person um, to, like, observe on a date. Yeah, would be Kyrie. Yeah, I would want to hear Kyrie's galaxy brain take. Oh, see, Kyrie day. would frustrate me. I would get up and walk away because Kyrie. I think I could see his. Uh, I don't know. The I'm closest, just... I, the closest I, I think I ever got to seeing an NBA player in their natural habitat is mm-hmm. the night of the 2015 when the NBA All Star game was in New York in 2015, or it may have been 2014. I can't remember now. Um, I'll check on the internet while I'm telling this story. On the night of the NBA All-Star Game in either 2014 or 2015 in New York City, I was told that J.R. Smith had decided, I was at some official gathering, and I was told that J.R. Smith had, in fact, was or was in the process of heading out to Englewood, New Jersey, to a go-kart track with Matthew Delavadova in tow. Mm. Because Matthew Delavadova, Australian-born, had never ridden go-karts before. And J.R. Smith felt that All-Star Weekend in New York was the perfect time to introduce him to this world of tiny car delight. And so he knows someone in, in his hometown of Englewood where, who runs a go-kart. And it was 1 o'clock at that time, of course, when J.R. Smith decided this had to happen. But evidently, he got his guy on the blower, and he was going to open up the whole go-kart track for just J.R. Smith and Matthew Vadelvadova and whoever would be joining them. And I wanted to go so badly. I worked my meager Rolodex to try to find out what go-kart in Jersey this was so I could go out there. Nobody would talk. I was Googling go-karts in Englewood because it may not have been Englewood proper. It may have been just near Englewood or something, but he, evidently there was a limo with JR and Delhi heading out to Jersey. And I wanted to report that story out and I could not do it. it. Made me very sad, but I feel like that would have been better than seeing Kevin Durant. On the I, I, I want to legitimately, like if I were ever, you know, near the area or, or, or covering a team or, or, you know, just, I want a former teammate oral history on all of J.R. Smith stops. And here's the thing. I don't want the stars. I don't want a LeBron James to talk. I've heard LeBron talk about, I want to hear what, and Alex Caruso has to say. I want to hear what a Matthew Delvadova has to say because the thing is, he takes those rookies and those young guys and those and those other journeymen. He takes them under their wing, and I think it's it is awesome to see. Of, but he you know, corrupts a lot of the Eddie. children. 
Yeah, there's a lot of Hennessy sweat under those uh, wings. So apparently he hates Hennessy. Like J.R. Really? Smith has come out. J.R. Smith has come out and said, "I hate you know because somebody tried to make like a you know a Henny Smith." He's like, "Honestly, dude, I hate Hennessy. Like Hennessy is gross." And I'm just like, one disappointed. Two, it's actually not that bad. But <laughs> no, I I, I want to talk to all of the former benchmates with J.R. Smith just yeah, to hear the stories. You should. You should do that. Like, J.R. Smith would do things like that. It, it, right when he got, the year that he got signed by the Knicks, um, he, so during the 2011, the strike certain season, at one point, again, it was 2 a.m., J.R. decided he wanted to go on a bike ride, but he didn't want to go alone. So oh he just tweeted, I'm going to ride my bicycle. If anyone wants to join me, I'm starting here. And so J.R. Smith led a summertime bike caravan through the streets of New York City with, <laughs> with whomever happened to see that tweet and was up. And so he just did that. And like, you know, people were posting photos of it. And saying, like, yo, I'm with J.R. Smith. Like, it was pre-being able to really post videos directly to Twitter. So you just got, you know, blurry shots of of Midtown and stuff like that. But, like, he would do something like that. And I can't think why J.R. Smith is so cool. is not just him never wearing a shirt throughout the entirety of after the, the Cavs won the title. Like, J.R. Smith is cool because he just did that. And just was like, yeah, let's see what people we meet. Mm. I am very pro J.R. Smith. You will never hear me say a negative thing about J.R. Smith. Agreed. Although he did screw up that one time, but we won't talk about it. We look he, past He screwed that. up a bunch of times. He screwed up a bunch of things off the court that have nothing to do with basketball. That's okay. He, 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 he does cool things now. I miss, his, I, I miss his, like, the early days of Twitter for him where he was just reckless as hell. And I was like, oh, he's right. hooking up with the video model. Like I remember during the playoffs one time, he he there were there was this like video chick that he was uh friendly with and he posted a picture of him watching the game and her not wearing um much. And I was just like, oh yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, the picture of her butt that he posted. Yeah. And I'm yeah. just like, oh that's yeah. That was around the same year that he posted the "You trying to get the pipe DMs." Yes, that was he did that that year. Internet legend, internet yeah. freaking legend. Yeah, Jr. Something at Jr. Post it. You just have to know that it was out. It was awesome. That was awesome. All that J.R. Smith stuff that was up. But, like, him, like, I will remember those. Like, he genuinely, like, he seems like a joyful person. And so, yeah, I'd want to go, I don't know if you want to call it a date. I don't want to see him sliding into, like, Instagram models as thirst, like, DMs. I want to go. Unless I can talk to their friends, yes. Yeah, sure. I want to be I want to be at the go-kart in Englewood at 3 in the morning. Hmm. All right, guys. Well, uh, what can we check out? The appreciation segment of today's podcast, which is a regular feature. I like it. I'm not a. I'm not opposed to it. Um, Bob, we mentioned the political story. How do people check it out this week? Yeah, that's that's the thing. I'm working on a bunch of other stuff. Nothing imminent. But if you want to read what I wrote about uh, the rise of the QAnon conspiracy amongst MMA fighters, 
that is available at politico.com. The if you do some Googling of like Politico, MMA, and QAnon, you should find it very quickly. Um, and uh, that was a that's been a cool story to report out. And I've gotten a couple of tips from people in the days since then. So there may be some more mixed martial arts based content coming your way, but not anything anytime soon. So if you want to read that, please do and share it with your friends. Do that, please. Mr. Hammond, anything you would like uh, to plug before we get out of here? Uh, yes. So next Friday, uh, we will have uh, installment number two of the uh, Into the Archives of the AHAM BCS series. Uh, I'll be joined by a former uh, Sports Illustrated and uh, Newsweek writer, uh, John Walters. We're going to cover uh, 2001 to 2006. And yeah, it'll be a fun time. All right. Keep up the great work, sir. Keep uh, keep putting out the content, folks. Bob, you and uh, Andrew, keep it moving. Keep it moving. Um, all right. Well, that's all I have. Go check out ChaseOnsPodcast.com. Go uh, leave a rating and a review if you like listening to the Sports Reporters Assembling on Fridays on Apple. So go do that if you're an Apple Podcast listener. You can also find us on Spotify and every other uh, podcast platform. Thank you, as always, good sirs. And we will talk next week. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.